0: It is that time once again joining us like he does every single Friday. It is Matt Kiweed from the Helena IR as he joins us on the Whitefish Credit Union Hotline as we talk Montana sports betting as we get ready for a big football weekend along with the Masters. Matt, it is great to chat with you once again, man. Hope you're doing well.
1: Always great to chat, Anthony. Thanks for having me back.
0: Oh well, Matt, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show each and every single Friday and every single week as we've got the NFL, college football, all types of things to to bet on. And a couple of days ago, you posted this on uh, Twitter and social media about the sports that have been betted on uh, through the Montana uh, Sports Betting app. And it's, it's interesting to me uh, because baseball was number one in terms of overall so far since the app has been released. Uh, baseball has been out, but obviously because baseball has been going longer. Uh, But at the same time, then you had football. You also have soccer in there. And then basketball was really low. Um, When you saw that list and saw those numbers, how much surprised you in terms of the number of sports that were betted on and the percentage?
1: Yeah, I guess, you know, at at first glance, you know, baseball surprised me. But then then you think about why that would be. And and then then you remember, oh, yeah, baseball is the first thing to come back. And then even before MLB, the KBO is pretty much the only show in town when the, lock, when the lockdown first started. So it probably amassed quite a bit of action during that time, and people are just eager to get some kind of bet down. And then, you know, we got soccer. I'm not a huge soccer guy, but clearly, you know, the soccer community is very passionate about soccer, and they and they like to have some action in the game. I, I read a story a couple of years ago it might actually be an indictment on the MLS, but be that as it may in, in India, after cricket, the most bet on sport is the MLS. so I don't, I don't know if that's either because of match fixing or they just really really love soccer and they're looking to get in on the action anywhere that they can.
0: I would guess it's people that are in Montana that are betting specifically through this app, correct?
1: Correct yeah. okay. or at the or at the terminals uh, at restaurants and bars.
0: Okay, because it's interesting. Because, like I said, I mean, the, the soccer aspect. It again, soccer, fun sport. I know the World Cup draws a lot of attention, but we really haven't had that. And I know it's an interesting point. You and I were discussing this beforehand. We don't know the, what the percentages would be exactly, but I have to imagine the MLS the way they're going right now, and at the same time, the Premier League they've got things going on. I got to imagine both of these for the soccer enthusiasts are big draws. Yeah, and, and like I
1: said, I, I, I'm not uh, an expert on on soccer but but i i do do know from being a casual sports fan it seems like there's big matches going on all the time Mm -hmm. the the soccer fans i am friends with on social media they're constantly posting about their favorite team playing in a big match and it's like didn't didn't premier league just wrap up and now we got champions league and now europa league and (laughs) um this that and the other and it seems like it's there's something huge going on every week so that's probably another thing that's That's driving it. And I probably sound really dumb if there's any soccer fans listening out there, so I apologize for that.
0: (laughs) Oh, I was about to say, me and you both, brother, because like I said, again, I I enjoy soccer, but I don't follow it. I don't know the game uh, as well as I do some others. So, Matt, looking to some other things here, what you talked about in your column today that you released earlier, uh, the fact of the sports letdown. And I know all about that. I mean, Sunday night, watching Tampa Bay get throttled by New Orleans was a huge letdown for me, man. But uh, specifically in your column, what are you talking about?
1: Right. I mean, as a fan, we can feel like we can be let down more more often than than things live up to our expectations, but maybe maybe that that tells us we need to cool our jets a little bit but in in terms of sports, you know, I'm sure anybody who played high school sports or college sports, they remember what what it felt like after the big win. you're prepping and planning all week play you know the the best team on your schedule or maybe your biggest rival on your schedule something you've had circled all year and then come out execute perfectly and you win the game probably stay out all night with your friends or maybe you don't go out during the season but pretty much walking on cloud nine for that for the rest of the week practice is a little more relaxed instead of bleeding and sweating and trying to do every little tiny thing to get better. You might just be chucking the ball around the yard and laughing with your friend. Before you, before you know it, you got another game to play. And since you just had that big win, maybe that creates a big target on your back. And so the next game against the next team you play, maybe that becomes their big game of the year that they're prepping for, and they've circled on their calendar. And so you get one team that's, that's up for the game, essentially, and the other team that's not up for the game. In, in the NFL, these can, can kind of be tricky, you know, because we, we are paying these guys to play. And so, theoretically, they should be up for each game. And, and they usually are, I think. But in college, it, it can be it's a bit more, I guess, e- not easy, but predictable mm-hmm. to pick out these spots. Because it's 18- it's to 24-year-old kids playing. And when you're playing football, it's so emotional. And so, I feel like the volatility in their emotions is um, more identifiable you know, in that age
0: range. We're breaking down Montana sports betting in front of a big weekend in both college football and the NFL. Matt, let's take a look at college football. What are the games that you got and that you talked about in your column? I think this is really interesting and it's kind of going with that theme of the letdown is Florida taking on Arkansas here, Florida coming off a big win over Georgia this past weekend. What do you think about this game?
1: Before that game, we we kind of had a funny moment back, uh, during some tense times you know, in Georgia, was counting up their ballots, one of their election officials, his name is Gabriel Sterling, had sort of a viral moment where he said, in, in, in reference to getting the votes counted, our hope would be today, they could slip into tomorrow because, again, everybody's exhausted. It's Friday. There's a Georgia game tomorrow. It's kind of a big one. And then he goes on to finish his thought. And so... Obviously, this shows that it's a big game, and it's so big that you know, it kind of transcends football. If this guy who's not in the NCAA football environment is is over here talking to the national media about Florida, Georgia, and how you know can't expect them to finish their jobs <laughs> during that game. and He just says it so matter-of-fact and casually, like, obviously, we're going to be watching this game. Um, so you, you know the winner of that, game, and it's also called what is it the the largest the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, mm-hmm. and so the the winner of that game, they're going to be basically legends on on campus the following week, which I guess during a COVID year is not as awesome as other years. Although it, it, with all the cancellations, it seems like a lot of teams don't really care. Anyway, don't want to get too far into the weeds. Florida obviously won that game. And now they got to play against Arkansas. Who, you know, when you think Arkansas, you think of the last few years, like pretty much the laughing stock of the SEC. Mm-hmm. But they're they're having a bounce back season, and the three and three right now. And if I don't know if you watch the Auburn Arkansas game, but the refs pretty much blew this, this play on the final drive where Bo Nix tried to spike the ball, but he actually fumbled. And then somehow during the review, they gave him the spike, which allowed Auburn to kick the game-winning field goal. So they should be 4-2, and two, and I believe if they're 4-2 and two with the resume they have, they'd be ranked. And so that makes them a little bit undervalued here. Take that into consideration and then mm-hmm. add, add to that, both teams are going to be without essential pieces. Arkansas's coach, Sam Pittman, is in his first year. He really turned the program around. He tested positive for COVID-19, but the team will have a competent interim coach, Barry Odom, the coach at Missouri, I think it was. Anyways, he's had a coaching experience. He's the DC. He'll be okay. But more importantly, in my opinion, Florida won't have their star tight end, Kyle Pitt, who announcers it's as if his name is Kyle Pitts, the next Rob Gronkowski. Hmm. That's how announcers refer to him like every time they bring his name up. The Gators QB, Kyle Trask, he's looked great this year, but not having that security blanket tight end with younger quarterbacks we've seen can be really disruptive to their success. So I really like Arkansas plus 17 here.
0: Looking at your best bet for college football, what do you got?
1: All right. Another letdown spot, and uh, we're we're over. I don't know how many betting against Notre Dame this year, but I don't learn. <laughs> we're going to be on Boston College. Uh, Plus 12 and a half. The line's kind of jumping all over the place. When I published today, it was plus 12 and a half. I think it opened at plus 14. By kickoff, I'm guessing it'll creep back up as some Notre Dame money comes in late. There's some trends here. Boston College is 8-1-1 in its last 10 games as a home underdog. Then Irish, you know, the letdown spot here. They're coming off maybe the biggest win in program history they beat number number 1 Clemson last week 47 to 40 double overtime. People are still talking about that game. And so this is kind of a double whammy against Notre Dame if you will. So the letdown spot like I mentioned, the Boston College, this is their what they call Red Bandana game. And so every year they honor a, a man named Wells Crowther. I hope I pronounced his first name right. Uh he's he was an equities trader and volunteer firefighter who who lost his life on 9/11. Mm-hmm. He's known for saving as many as 18 lives during the attacks in New York City uh, before he lost his own. And so, uh, in the past, Red Bandana games, Boston College has upset USC, Florida State, and Miami. So this is basically their Super Bowl. You're going to get max effort from the starting whistle to the final whistle. And then we have. Eagles quarterback, Phil uh Jerko, I'm sure I mispronounced that. <laughs> he's a Notre Dame transfer, and he's playing, so he'll, he'll have a little bit of an extra edge going against his former teammates. The same former teammates, by the way, surrendered 439 passing yards last week in that uh, defeat of Clemson. And then uh, one last little fun fact, the last time Notre Dame defeated a number one team in the country was 1993. They lost the next week. Can you guess who beat them?
0: Yeah, I'm guessing Boston College.
1: Yeah, Boston College. Probably has nothing to do with this game, but, um, you know, left down spot. Here we are. Boston College probably playing in its Super Bowl. So I like the Eagles. Best bet.
0: I was going to say, I was kind of thinking about that. I'm like, yeah, I was thinking, you know, last time Boston College came up with the upset over Notre Dame after a big win over Florida State at the time. And then all of a sudden, the letdown here. Could history repeat itself? If you're an Irish fan, hopefully not. Right now, we are with Matt Kiwi from the Helena IR. Let's turn our attention to the NFL. Matt, uh, let's get your thoughts on some of these games here. Uh, one that sticks out to me. And again, this has got more spite to do with it than anything, but 49ers-Saints, what do you got for this game?
1: All right, so obviously I'm, I'm sure you hate-watched all the uh, Saints content that <laughs> surfaced after the game last week and them dancing around the locker room. Obviously, that was a big win for them, sweeping a divisional rival, really puts them in good position to win that division and, and good position in the NFC in general. And so and leading up to that game, they were holding out Mike Thomas until he was completely healthy. Seems like Thomas probably could have played before then, but they really wanted to have him healthy for that game specifically. And now he's questionable again. And so I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they held him out again, because it seems like they really want to have him just for big spots. Mm-hmm. Last season, and then we got the Niners, who just got embarrassed by the Packers on Thursday night football. So I don't think we could be buying them any lower. If we to look at them as, as like a stock or something. Mm-hmm. So, last season, and here's, and here's another thing that we know. Last season, San Francisco put up 516 yards and uh, their win over the Saints. Will that happen with Nick Mullins at quarterback? No. It does tell us that Kyle Shanahan knows how to move the ball all over the field against the Saints. And when a guy like Shanahan or like Andy Reid, coaches like that, when they have a beat on what you're trying to do defensively, you really can't stop them. And so, you know, after that beatdown that we watched San Francisco take in after the blowout win by New Orleans, I think we got a buy low, sell high situation. And uh are the Niners, keep it pretty close, definitely within the number at plus nine and a half.
0: Matt, we got a few more minutes here. Let's get to your best bet for the NFL. Who do you
1: have? This is tough. We're going to go with the Chargers uh, in a close game, hmm. two points against the Dolphins. I know that's not ideal, but I, I think looks has got to swing the Chargers' way at some point. You know, we, I went against Tua last week, got burned, but I'm not really betting against Tua here. It's more of a bet on the Chargers and what they're able to do. So I, I think L.A. can exploit the Dolphins' weaknesses really well. And then what Miami does do well, I think the Ch- Chargers can counter that fairly effectively. <clears throat> Defensively, Miami needs to get to the quarterback in order to have success, last week, you know, Kyler Murray moved the ball all over the field. The Dolphin sec- secondary was either getting burned or called for pass interference. I think mean, whoever was guarding Hopkins, I feel like got like six pass interferences down, and they're all for like twenty yards. <laughs> um, when we when we've seen the Dolphins have success, it's games like against the Rams where they had those cover zero blitzes because Brian Flores knew Jared Goff just. Deer in the headlights, and just couldn't handle it. If he if they go that route against Herbert, you know I think uh, Herbert will do quite well. He's averaging over ten yards per attempt against the blitz this season. So even though their O line tends to leak, he, he still does very well when, he, when he's got pressure in his face. Offensively, the Dolphins won't be able to play into the Chargers' weakness on defense, which is stopping the run. They they've lost Miles Gaskin and Matt Breida. Those guys weren't really setting the world on fire to begin with, and so when you get down to four, five, and six on the running back depth chart. In, in Miami, it's marginal at best. Chargers do defend the pass pretty well; they've allowed just 185 passing yards per per game over their last three. So, two is going to have his work cut out for him, especially missing wide receiver Preston Smith. Um, Los Angeles will be without Joey Bosa, unfortunately, but a couple of offensive linemen were limited in practice and supposedly totally on track to return. Those guys being Brian Bul Bulaga and Trey Turner. Mm-hmm. Balaga left the Raiders game Sunday after playing two snaps. Turner hasn't played the Chiefs game, if you remember where the Chargers did quite well. Speaking of the Chargers bad luck, which got even out at some point, I know you don't want to you don't want to bet on the do theory, which is where it seems due to be good at, at some point. <laughs> but they've been so unlucky. You know, it's got to turn around. Conversely, the Dolphins have been pretty fortunate. Two games in a row now, they've been outgained 913 yards to 447 in those past two games. Miami defense has created five turnovers that have resulted in two touchdowns, and then one of and then another turnover resulted in a one-yard touchdown drive by the offense. And then we have a special teams touchdown. Even discounting how unlucky the Chargers have been. I think Miami's recent run of good fortune has got has got to come to an end at some point. Add all those things up, I like the Chargers plus two. And I put a little bit on Moneyline because I guess I like pain.
0: <laughs> I was about to say, Matt, I got to give you a lot of credit because, I mean, I did my pick em last night and I took the Dolphins here. I, again, I, I just I don't have that trust in the Chargers uh that you do here. Um but again we'll we'll have to see uh, how things shake out. As uh, right now we are with Matt Kiweed from the Helena IR. Matt, if they want to check out your column and your latest work, how can they do that?
1: It's at four oh six M T Sports dot com and at Helena I R dot com. And then I'm on Twitter at I R M A T T K I E W I E T. I try to post my uh my picks that are in the column and didn't make the column, and then some props on game day.
0: Oh, that's right. Real quick, Matt, as we got to just a few more minutes, uh, give me your best bet or whatever bet you have for the Masters this weekend that you like.
1: So the route I like to go with the Masters is I usually take a look at uh, who's in the hunt on the final day because, uh, well, first first thing I like to do is look at the weather. Mm-hmm. As, as you know, the weather in that part of the country can kind of change the drop of a hat so if there's wind on that final day and maybe there's a heavy hitter like Kepka someone like that maybe they're lurking two or three or four slots behind the leader and you can get them maybe at plus money to win the tournament i think that would be a consideration and then if the weather is normal and they don't have to deal with a ton of wind then i cut I you know, a guy like Tiger Woods, who if he's in the hunt, might not be a bad bet because people who are, who are actually familiar with the course tend tend to be the ones that win. I don't know what's that whole like hole 12 we always see on the last day where there'll be four people tied for the lead, and then three guys hit it into the water on 12, yep. <laughs> and it's and it's the <laughs> one of and the guy that comes out on top is usually the guy who's been there before, and so. Yeah, I like, to, I like to look at the field and the weather uh, right before the last day and see if there's any any value uh, taking a guy that can make a charge on the last day.
0: My feature guest, Matt Kiwi from the Helena IR. Matt, really appreciate the time, really appreciate the insight as always, my man. Look forward to chatting with you next week.
1: Next week I'll be here, Anthony.